0: at calvary there my savior died he took my place and by his grace came with me to abide all i need for living is mine by just believing life begins at calvary life that never
1: ends came to pass when i was coming again to jerusalem even while i prayed in the temple i was in a trance and saw him saying unto me, Make haste, and get you quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death. And I kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, but I will send thee far hence to the Gentiles." And they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voice and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth! It's not fit for that he should live. Now as they cried out, cast off their clothes, they threw dust in the air. Chief Captain came and rescued Paul. Chief Captain commanded him to be brought into the castle, and begged that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know whereof they cried against him. Then the Chief Captain came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. Paul said, But I was free born." Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. The chief captain also was afraid, after he knew that he was a Roman, and because he had bound him. On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands, and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear, and brought Paul down and set him before them.
2: Welcome to The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever.
0: Well, here's Paul finishing up his testimony of faith in Christ, and he had the people's ear up until he told them how the Lord had told him to go to the Gentiles. Well, the people began to shout and to cry out and throw dust into the air as a sign of disgust. Let me ask you, do you find those showing disgust towards you when giving your own personal testimony of how God has changed your life by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, even among those who say they believe in God? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 21, But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Well, then Paul now goes on to make use of his rights as a Roman citizen to protect himself from an unjust punishment. Well, let's join Dr. Mitchell here on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Acts chapter 22, verse 17.
1: Good day, friends. Again, it is our joy and delight to come to you. You know, I have been greatly encouraged of late because of the mail that comes to me from people who are are really receiving spiritual help and mental knowledge of the scriptures in the book of Acts. I know that Acts, in, in many, many ways, is a very difficult book because it's a book of transition between the old and the new. It connects the Gospels with the epistles. It's a book of history. It's also a book given to us to show forth the life of Christ in his people and through his people. But I believe the Lord went with them and in them and through them. And so the gospel went out to the known Roman world at that time. And to me, it has always been an amazing thing how the Lord played with Israel all the way through. And this man, Paul, of whom we're discussing in chapter 22 of the book of Acts, where Paul stood before the people of Israel and gave his testimony before he was a Christian and then how the Lord saved him, that he met God face to face. And now he's giving his testimony. And I'm reading now from verse 17, right on down through verse 21. In fact, right on down to verse 23, where you have Paul uh, after, after his conversion. Let me give you the chapter again. Before his conversion in the first five verses, then you have the record of his conversion in verses 6 to 16. Then from verse 70 to 23, you have his life, Paul the missionary, After his conversion, the our Lord sent him. Uh, I would like to to continue that for a few moments. Uh, Sometimes I think we Christians fail to realize the tremendous place each one of us have in the purpose and program of God. Sometimes when one reads the Gospels or the Book of Acts, you kind of wish you had lived back yonder. No, no, God wants you to live right where you are right now. It's folly for me to say, I wish I were back there. I'm not. I'm right here in the 20th century. Living possibly under different circumstances, on a dif- in a different culture, with a different background, and yet the Word of God is the same for them, the same for me, the same for you. He's the same Savior for any generation. And the Lord puts us right where we are for a distinct purpose. Let me just talk to you Christians for a moment. God has put you right where you live made you the personality you are for a distinct purpose, that when you accepted the Savior, you were joined to the Lord, indwelt by the Spirit of God, the child of the living God, and you're away on business for the Lord himself. Your home is in heaven. And down here we're on earth with a job to do. Do you know, I was amazed when a, a lady said to me, I wish she'd pray for a certain friend to whom she had been witnessing you know what he said? He was a very highly educated man. He said, what some of us would like to do, we'd like to get rid of all you Christians and put you on another planet. We don't want you on our earth. You don't belong to our earth. I wish you were on some other planet. And you know, one of these days, that's exactly what's going to happen. One of these days, the Lord in the twinkling of an eye is going to take all his people home to glory. He's going to leave the earth Take the church out of the earth. As Corinthians 15 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be changed in a moment in the turning of an eye. We're going to be transformed. And when this mortal shall put on immortality, the corruptible shall put on incorruption. We're going to be changed. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. The dead in Christ are going to be raised. And we together with them are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, to be forever with the Lord. And Antichrist then will be made manifest on the earth, and the whole world will worship the beast, except the remnant that God will leave on the earth. Not the church. Not the church. So I say this man's request is going to be answered, and God's going to take us out. But to me, what an astounding thing. The boldness of men who are very frank to say they would like to get every Christian off the face of the earth. They want the earth for themselves. Yes, and the prince of this world is Satan. you remember? The god of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of those who believe not. The god of this world, Satan, is its prince remember the Lord said that three times in the Gospel through John, chapters 12, 14, and 16. The prince of this world cometh and findeth nothing in me. Now is the prince of this world and So on. See, friend, Paul was transformed from a, relig- a religious zealot into a witness for God. Let me read it to you. Reading in verse 17, after he'd come to know the Savior, I read, it came to pass that when I was come again to Jerusalem, that is, he came, he went, as I said in chapter nine, where you had the conversion of Saul of Tarsus. Do you remember? from Damascus, he went into the desert, into Arabia, spent two years there. Then he came back to Damascus, then from Damascus, he went to Jerusalem. This is what you have here. It came to pass. When I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance and and saw him saying unto me, Make haste and get you quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death. And I kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence to the Gentiles. And they gave him audience unto this word, and then lifted up their voice and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth! It's not fit for that he should live. And as they cried out cast off their clothes, they threw dust in the air. And then, they, and then the Romans, you remember, the chief captain came and rescued Paul. Notice, please, after his conversion, he becomes the missionary. I'd like to read to you from Galatians chapter 1, just to pick up the connection which we've just been discussing. I'm reading Paul's own testimony when he said, You've heard of my manner of life in time past in the Jew's religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. And profited in the Jews' religion, above many my own equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the tradition of my fathers. This is before he knew Christ. Uh, I repeat it again, a religionist and very zealous for God. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and caught me by his grace, to reveal his Son in me, that, that I might preach him among the Gentiles immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem unto them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem and abode with them with Peter and the rest 15 days. I mentioned, I read that from Galatians chapter 1. I'm going to see what his own testimony was from about verse 13 of that first chapter down to verse 16 and 17. See, Paul wanted to stay in Jerusalem. If any man felt that he was called to preach the gospel to the Jews, it was Paul, the apostle Paul. He had a real burden for his people. See how God had transformed him. And the same God who transformed him could transform his people. You can just see the burden of his heart. And God said, no, no, Paul, I've got a different job for you. I want you to go far hence to the Gentiles, you see. Depart. Go to the Gentiles. He was called to give the good news to the Gentiles. Now, up to this time, the Jews were very quiet. The nation was hearing him give his testimony. They knew about him. They knew about his zeal for God. They knew about him being a Pharisee of the Pharisees. They knew he had been trained by Gamaliel. They knew he was a zealot for God. And they knew that he was greatly opposed to Christianity, to the followers of Jesus. Now he is a transformed man. And as long as he gives his testimony, they listen to him. But when he began to talk about the gospel going out to the Gentiles, God said, Depart, for I will send thee far hence to the Gentiles. They gave him audience unto this word. Then they lifted up their voice and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth. It's not even fit that he should live. He's not fit to stay on the earth. Now, I know people today feel the same way about Christians, real Christians. They call them all kinds of names. I know that. It's true you might be called the deacon or you might be called fanatic. You might be called everything. But don't lose your love for the Savior. Don't you compromise your position. You stand for the Savior. And they cast off their clothes and threw the dust in the air. Here's a mom, blind and full of rage. And they still believed God. That is, the God they thought, they knew, and they didn't know him. Oh, how many today claim to believe God, don't know him. I've had people say when I've brought the gospel, they why, well, Mr. Mitchell, I'm not a pagan. I believe in God. Well, that's that's wonderful. Do you worship him? I don't know how. Or I might say, what kind of a God do you have? Have you seen him? Have you heard him? What's he like? Simple questions. Get right down into your heart. What's the answer? Man doesn't have an answer. Man doesn't have an answer. Men have thrown the word of God out, the divine revelation. Hence, they know nothing about God. They know there's a supreme being. They can see the God of creation, but they got no place for him. They don't know whether he... He has any interest in them or whether he loves them. They don't know a thing about him. They don't know a thing about him. And when these Jews heard Paul talk about Jesus, they were one blinded, raging mass of people. They still believed that God, the living God, was only for them. See how narrow they became? That God was only for them. But you go back your yeah, fifteen hundred years of history. They'd been taught that they were a separate people. This is what Balaam, the false prophet, told Balak, the king of Moab. They're a separate people. Their strength lies in the fact that they're separate. That's why some of your liberals say that the God of the Old Testament was a tribal God. No, they were a separate people unto him. And they were given a responsibility to witness of the living God to their neighbors, to the nations of the world, and they they failed on their job. They fizzled on their job. But they still believed, even in Paul's day, that God was only for the Jews. Paul had a revelation that he was the God for everybody. you remember in Romans chapter 3? Romans chapter 3, about verse 29, where Paul raises the question, Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God who shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision, the Gentiles, through faith. If there's one God and everybody are sinners, everyone's a sinner, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, how many ways of salvation will he have? Just one? Just one? Did you hear me? If there's only one God, the living God, there could only be one God. And all men are sinners, then he'll only have one way of salvation. Now, what is that one way? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no man cometh to the Father but by me. Or John ten nine, I am the door. By, if any, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. Or as Peter says in Acts 4.12, there is no other name unto heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So here you have again their blind rage against the Son of God. You won't understand me now when I say there was a special thing in the book of Acts why the Jew was baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus, because he was the one they had nailed to the cross. He was the one that they rejected when they said, we will not have this man reign over us. And for a Jew to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus is a terrific thing. And by the way, not only then, but also today, even today in America, in the Jewish Jewish culture, In the Jewish society, a Jew is not recognized as a Christian unless he's been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So you see their rage about this. Now from verse 24 to 30, let me finish this chapter. You have Paul before the Romans. Let me again give it to you. First five verses, you have Paul the Jew before he was saved. And then from 6 to 16, you have Paul the Christian, or Paul's conversion. And then, seven and 23, you have, after his conversion, Paul the missionary. So you have Paul the Jew, Paul the Christian, Paul the missionary. Then you have the reaction when he brought in this question of the Gentiles. Amazing thing, how they hated the Gentiles, these dogs of Gentiles. Now, starting in at verse 24 and running through to the end of the chapter, you have Paul before the Romans. And you have a very simple thing chief captain commanded him to be brought into the castle and begged that he should be examined by scourging, that he might know whereof they cried against him. This was a common thing, by the way, where the Romans would take a prisoner and scourge him to find out what the score was. Do you remember they did that with Jesus? When Pilate said, I'll take him and scourge him, and let him go. So they bound Paul with thongs. And Paul said to the centurion that stood by, Is it lawful for you? to scourge a man that is a Roman and uncondemned. When the centurion heard that, he went and told the chief captain, saying, Take heed what you do, for this man is a Roman. So you see, you have Paul the Jew, Paul the Christian, Paul the missionary, Now you have Paul the Roman. And he stands upon his Roman citizenship rights. Then the chief captain came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. And the chief captain answered, With a great sum obtained I this freedom. Paul said, But I was free born. Then straightway they departed from him, which should have examined him. The chief captain also was afraid, after he knew that he was a Roman, and because he had bound him. On the morrow, because he would have known the certainty whereof he was accused of the Jews, he loosed him from his bands, and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set him before them. I will find out, said he, what the score is concerning this, this matter of Paul. What's your, what's your accusation against him? He's a Roman. You've got to be sure of your accusation. And as I read this chapter through, my, what a, uh, what a great distance we travel from Paul the Jew to Paul the Christian. What changed him? What changed him? From a Jew to a Christian, he met God face to face. And I ask you the question again, my friend, have you met God face to face? There's no life. Allow me to say this. There is no life apart from your receiving of the Savior. He that hath the Son of God hath life. He that hath not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. I'm quoting John 3:36 and 1 John chapter 5. Verses 10 and 11. It's the same same thing. And then you have Paul the missionary to the Gentiles. And this is what stirred them up. And again, may I remind you, Paul wanted to be God's witness to the Jews. And God wanted Paul to be a witness to the Gentiles. And he was not disobedient, as we'll see in chapter 26. He was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. How about you, my friend? How about you? And then you come to the end of the chapter, you have Paul the Roman when he stands upon his Roman citizenship. He was Roman-born, Roman-trained and educated in all the Greek culture, a citizen of Rome, and by the way, he was also well-versed in Jewish culture. That's why God used him, see. Now, to the Jews, he would speak in Hebrew, as you have in the beginning of the chapter, or in Aramaic. But to the Romans, he spoke in Greek. And he depended upon his Roman citizenship. Took his stand upon it. There's no compromise. There's no compromise. So we have this wonderful chapter, chapter 22, Paul's great defense before the nation Israel. Now in our next chapter, we have Paul and his defense before the council, that is the Sanhedrin of the Jews, where we again have his testimony and so on. Please read that chapter, will you through? Read chapter 23, 24, 25, 26. Please keep reading these chapters so that the text will be in your mind and you'll be able to follow right along with us as we discuss each chapter individually. And may the Lord make the Word of God very precious to you, and may your joy be filled full in Christ Jesus. And the Lord bless you today for his name's sake.